Hello, everyone. I'm Phil Svitek, and today I am joined alongside Natalie Kingston, and she's a cinematographer, and we're talking about the latest project of hers, Blackbird, which is coming out on Apple TV Plus July 8th, and then subsequently uh, each week after that in terms of new episodes. Um, so there's a lot to talk about, but I would like to steal a question from one of my favorite podcasts, the Team Deacons podcast, which is um, Roger Deacons and his partner, James, um, you know, Roger Deacons, legendary cinematographer. And it, though it might be a banal question, it always leads to great um, answers and off there. So how did you get to where you are today? Like, did you always want to be a cinematographer or, um, you know, did you kind of stumble into it? <laughs> Yeah, so um, I I didn't always know what a cinematographer was. I, I was born and raised in a small town in South Louisiana called New Iberia. So there wasn't much, there wasn't any really filmmaking there. Um, but around like 10 years old, um, my parents got a home video camera, you know, VHS style. And I got my hands on it and um, it, I, I just became obsessed immediately. And what I would do is check out books from the library, from the children's section, like specifically um, stage play books, you know, for like children's theater. <clears throat> and I would convert these little stage plays into little movies. <laughs> and um I just, yeah, like I said, just became infatuated with the idea of just like kind of running around with the camera and and capturing things and, and telling stories that way and getting to share it with people and see their reaction. So, you know, even at that time, of course, I didn't know what cinematographer was, but the idea of, of you know, production or working behind the camera in some capacity stuck with me. And um, so cut to years later, um, I did not go to film school, but I went to college and major in mass communication that at my university, that was the closest thing I could find to filmmaking. Um, so it was very broad, very, you know, more like TV kind of news production. We had some film classes, but really, you know, still didn't really know, you know, cinematography then. So, um, af years after college, um, I, I got kind of my first job where I cut my teeth in the industry was at this local TV station. It wasn't a news station, but they just produced like local content. And I was kind of given this TV show um, where I could have full creative control. And it was kind of documentary style. And I, I kind of went around the area and found interesting people to sort of do a, a little segment on, you know, whether they were just some kind of artist or just crawfish fish you know fishermen or whatever um made kaleidoscopes and um so I kind of took that opportunity and ran with it and I shot it I edited it I produced it I did everything mm -hmm. um and I, I did that job for a couple years um and then I got the opportunity um to get on my first film set and that's when movies really started to come to Louisiana they got the film tax credits and um, and, and I worked as a camera assistant as a second AC and, and that's really what, where I learned the role of a cinematographer. And, and I'm like, huh, I could see myself doing that. Like that is like specifically what, okay, I, I think I want to do that. So I, I worked as a camera assistant for a little while. Um, 
maybe a couple years. And then, um, then I actually went back to post because I had the editing experience from the TV station. So I worked as an assistant editor for like a year or two. Um, I shot and edited like EPK stuff. That was an, another um, job I had. So I kind of had a winding path and, and then really started to shoot short films on the side with friends. And so I worked as you know the DP and, and then I got serious about like pursuing cinematography. Um, and at that time, I, I didn't, you know, thought about maybe going to film school, but I, you know, I'd already gone to college. I really couldn't afford to go. I didn't, you know, I felt like, you know, I'd already been working in the industry. I didn't want to stop that momentum. So, but I knew there was more like I needed to learn about lighting specifically um, and so much more, but, but especially lighting. Um, so I found this place. It was through another cinematographer that I knew and he had gone there and this place in Maine called Maine Media Workshops in college. And they offer like short-term to long-term programs. And so I found this cinematography intensive, which was like three months long. And I did that. And that really sort of changed my life. And um, after I got back from there, I'm like, okay, I'm never going to do anything else again, but cinematography, no matter what. And so, um, yeah, just slowly, but surely just started building up more and more work and um, shot, you know, documentaries in the beginning and short films. Um, And then I started getting commercial and then that led to my first feature. And yeah, so it was just, just a a slow grind and um, cut to now. (laughs) That's fantastic. And, um, you know, I mean, this is just my observation of things and perhaps it could be wrong, but I, I find that people with a, both with a documentary background and people who edit make some of the best cinematographers. And at least my theory is that, um, a on documentaries, you kind of have to, it's grab and go, right. Especially yeah, if, absolutely. um, you know, if it's not interview based in that sense. And, and then from the flip side, editing, you're putting it all together and seeing what works. And so it's kind of reverse engineering. Do you absolutely. find that for yourself? hundred percent. Yeah. Just from shooting documentaries. I think I, I know I have that skill of being able to just build from what's already there. And that's how I like to work. I just see what a space a location is giving me. And, and that sort of, you know, is the foundation and, and then I augment or shape or whatever I have to do from there. But I, I, yeah, I just see what's naturally happening and really lean into that and, and enhance that, um, what's already happening. And then, yeah, the editing experience just was huge. That's, that definitely has made me a better cinematographer, just understanding what you need to tell a story and, you know, how edit, you know, how, how it all works. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things I'm curious, and um, I apologize in advance for, cause I'm probably going to jump around on things, but, you know, going from short films to a film to now um, a series in that sense, obviously there's a lot, at least in my mind, there's a lot, you know, when you're working on a short film, there's a lot less to keep in mind in terms of the narrative, right. Then you go on a film, yeah. um, you know, let's say 90 minutes to two hours, you're kind of keeping all that and how it all works as a whole and then now with a with a series, you know, there's a lot more hours that go into it in terms of the final product. And so how do you compartmentalize of, you know, both in terms of making sure the details work, but then also fitting into the larger whole of the narrative? Yeah, yeah that's a great question, because, yeah, I mean, a TV series is like a film 
you know, on steroids. It's <laughs> just insane. It's huge. And, and I shot the whole limited series of Blackbird, which is six one hour episodes. Which is uncommon, right? Yeah, especially for being, it was my first TV series. So especially for that. Um, but yeah, usually there's, you know, two DPs and one comes in and sets the look and then DPs alternate episodes or shoot half and half or, you know, depending on how it's structured. Um, but yeah, it's pretty rare. And and I was so grateful for that opportunity for my first one to be able to create the look and maintain it and, and be, you know, the singular perspective in terms of the of the visuals. Um, so yeah, to keep it, you know, you have to be super, super organized, which, which I am. And, um, sorry, does that include storyboards or like, how did you, or, or, um, you know, just overall lookbooks? Yeah. All, all of that really, you know, from prep and, you know, breaking down a script scene by scene and, you know, knowing the purpose and the function of each scene and where the characters are emotionally, how that all arcs from within each episode to, you know, throughout the whole series. Um, And then how how the visual language evolves. Um, And so, yeah, that's just, you know, from those script breakdowns to um, meticulous notes and lookbooks on on the the visual language and the cinematography um, references, um, specific references for, you know, specific locations or um, um, whatever, you know, points in the story. Um, and yeah, just organizing all of that in, in a way that's easy to find. And, um, you know, when you're in the madness of production, yeah, um, it's, you know, making, yeah, it's just, it's really just being thorough about every step of the way. I hope that answered and, your question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And how much prep time did you guys get on this one? Because I know, you know, obviously everyone who's involved in production would love as much pre-production time as possible. And I know sometimes that can be limited. So yeah. And it was on this, I didn't have enough, I had only five weeks at the beginning. Hmm. And yeah, that's not really a lot for the sole DP of six episodes and we didn't really we stopped we kind of broke up the shoot it was a 95 day shoot so around the halfway mark we it was like a a week or so that we had off I think it was yeah just a week um so I was able to rest (laughs) number one and then sort of prep um with the new director who was uh coming in for the following episode. And we pretty much, you know, we shot, we block shots, we shot everything all at once. Um, it, it worked out where um, most of episodes four, five, and six were in the second block. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did shoot some material from those episodes in the beginning. And how did, um, how did COVID affect all of this? Cause yeah. um, I mean, I just imagine like, certainly um you would want as much intimacy as possible but then you know due to covid protocol i'm sure that yeah um yeah i mean there were strict protocols luckily we never had to shut down because Mm -hmm. of anyone getting covid um yeah like no you know no main no main players um god it's a thankfully yeah. yeah but we did have to shut down um for almost two weeks, maybe a week and a half in September, because we were shooting in New Orleans and there was a hurricane Ida 
came mm. through. So we had to shut down and we all evacuated to Austin, Texas. Yeah, the, it's always interesting in that sense, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so uh, let's let's talk about the show itself, right? It is based off of, you know, um, real life in that sense. And, you know, um, two autobiographies. Um, and obviously the showrunner, um, fantastic writer in, in yeah. his own right. Um, you know, uh, I mean, uh, Shutter Island, Gone, Gone Baby Gone, you know, all, all that stuff based off his. And then he's worked on things like The Wire, um, yeah. Boardwalk Empire. Like these are just yeah. phenomenal shows. Um, so what was, what was that dynamic like in terms of, cause it's, it's different from a film where it's like the, the director is the person, whereas this it's showrunner yeah, director absolutely. and then everyone else. Yeah. Which was a learning curve for me because I come from film. And so this being my first TV series, um, yeah, that was a new sort of entity that I, I never, you know, had to collaborate with the showrunner before, but, um, it was fantastic. I mean, I respect Dennis's work so much. I think his writing is brilliant. And I remember when I got the scripts, I was just blown away. The, the writing is, is absolutely superb. It's, it's so, so good. Um, and, you know, he was very, you know, he always wanted to approach this like a film and, um, and that's where he comes from as well, you know, and, you know, it was never, yeah, it was, it, it was, it's, and I think it plays like one six hour movie when you, when you watch it all, um, and he, yeah, he was very, very collaborative and um, very respectful of, of all of the department heads in there in each individual crafts and, and what, how they contributed. Um, so, you know, I had a lot of freedom and, you know, he really liked my idea, ideas. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a great relationship. Um, what's, can you share one idea that like, he loved that you're like absolutely proud of if you can't not not a big deal but just curious let's see um so the the first thing that comes to mind is so the the opening of of the series um or it's it's not the first well i don't want to spoil too much it's it's in the beginning of episode one and then and it also like comes back later in that episode and and one of the shots is in the trailer but it's of of jessica it's a scene that we shot of jessica roach one of the the victims and it's a main um the main victim in the in the story and it's it's her riding her bike in a cornfield and this is where she was abducted and, and killed um so it's sort of like an impressionistic flashback and so we were slated to shoot that on day three of the the schedule and it was an insane day with just a lot of things so we never never got to it we had some other other shots of her for other scenes that we got that day but never got those what was supposed to be like the the opening of the of the series and in these really you know specific the specific way that we wanted to shoot it like on a techno crane and you know following behind her and rising up in the crane and um and then we didn't get it we were supposed to have a beautiful it was supposed to be in beautiful sunset light and we never got that that day either so even if we would have shot it it wouldn't have been wouldn't have been right what we intended um so that kept getting punted to the end you know throughout the schedule and it's like okay maybe we'll shoot on this day and then the problem was 
that location was like an hour and a half from the city, like where our other main locations were. So it just, it could never quite fit in the puzzle. You know, so it kept getting pushed, kept getting pushed. And they were editing as we were shooting. So there were rough cuts of, of the episodes. And so and on one, they just used some of the other footage that we had shot of her on the bike as a placeholder. And it, and it worked, you know, it was, it, it worked, but it, it, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't powerful enough, like as, as it, as I knew it could be yeah. if we were to have shot it the way we intended. So um, towards on the, so it was finally like positioned to shoot sometime in the last week <laughs> around day 90 four or five. And, um, so I just kept, you know, come the last week, I just kept, you know, being vocal about it and fighting to get that. Cause I just, I knew how important, how powerful it would be. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that I kept fighting for it. So we finally made it happen. We went all the way out there on day 95, our last day, we got a beautiful sunset, got our crane and we got, you know, we were, we had a lot of stuff to shoot before, um, and we made it happen and I'm so glad we did. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of it. And, um, I just think it, I think it really makes a difference, um, you know, how the show opens and, and it was used in the trailer. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, I think, I think there's a good, like mini lesson of kind of knowing what to fight for and having the solution exactly. in place. Taking your um, battles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. rather than just like, Hey, that shot doesn't work. Yeah. And just leaving it there, you know, being yeah. like, I, I think here's how we could do it. So that's yeah. great. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, what a cast, right? And oh I know, yeah. I mean, I imagine um, a lot of people sort of ask you about Ray Liotto and, and whatever, mm-hmm. but like, and, and so obviously untimely passing, you know, phenomenal actor, um, you know, can you speak to him and sort of everyone else um, yeah. you know, getting to work with them? Yeah. I feel so honored to work with all of them. I mean, and I'm not just saying it because it's my show, whatever, but I mean, wow, just they are all powerhouses in their own rights. Just phenomenal. I felt so lucky to go to work every day and to be able to point the camera at them and, and capture these incredible performances. And, and that's next to the writing. Like it's, it's really what makes this series so special. Um, yeah. Ray, I mean, what an icon. <sighs> it's I, Wow. Um, yeah, at, at first he can come off as intimidating, um, but but he's he's not at all. He's so warm and so gentle inside, and 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 he's no bullshit either. He just says what he means, means what he says, and I love that about people in general. And he's very inquisitive on set. He he loves to just be a part of the filmmaking, and you know when it's time for actors to go to their trailers or whatever while we're lighting he usually stayed on set and, and would just be a part of the crew and ask questions and, Oh, what do you, what diffusion are you putting here? Okay. What is this? Okay. I see what you're doing here. Oh, great. You know, and yeah. he just, he just loves the process of filmmaking and you could tell he's, he's just passion is just infectious. Um, and, and wait till you see him and in, in the series, he really brought it. Yeah. It's, it's, was there, was there anything that as you're sort of watching the performances, at least early on where you're like, Ooh, you know what, seeing this makes me want to adjust a couple of things and do this shot specifically or something like that, you know, whether an overall look or just, oh, yeah, that happened many times. I'm trying to think of something specifically, but, um, 
yeah, just certain things, you know, that they would do if, if they would, you know, maybe their blocking would sort of change from what we had imagined it would be. And, and then of course that, that would lead to another type of shot, which was, you know, always better. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was like one time in, in the woodshop prison um, that I don't even know how it happened, but I don't, I don't even think this was a planned shot, but Paul just went in front of this window and it's raining outside and it's nighttime and he's in silhouette and we just kind of like improv that shot. And I'm like, Oh, what if there's lightning? And so we just program some lightning and, and sky panels. And like, it's just, that's in the trailer as well. <laughs> um, and it, it kind of became an iconic shot for the series, but yeah, there were, there were many, many moments like that. Um, especially like within the, the cells specifically, like in our, in our hero cell block, um, just there's not a lot of space obviously to move around we had so many scenes with two people in one cell so you know we would have an idea of how we we're covering each scene but like a, a lot of that came together organically just because it's like you can't really calculate exactly how you're going to fit the camera in there and block and how they also have the characters also have to move around at the same time and it gets really really tricky in there but um, I think we ended up shooting every single angle in, in that cell. And it's a real prison, by the way. It's not operating anymore. It shut down after Katrina. But so it wasn't like we were on a set. So I couldn't really fly out walls. We had a small, like, I don't know, four by five portal in one of the walls that was sort of a big deal to remove. So we'd really have to be strategic about it. So it wasn't just like a wild wall. Okay, let's fly out the wall. You know, it was a big deal. So we could sometimes shoot through that, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think it gave a, a level of, of realness, authenticity to it. And um, so, so speaking to like, um, I'm just kind of reminded of Shawshank Redemption, like Roger mm-hmm. talks a lot about working with production designers to, you know, implement lights as part of the production design. Yeah. Was that yeah. like a technique you guys, oh, think, yeah. you know, especially given the space? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um there it was so the the springfield prison our main prison we shoot three prisons in in this series but our main one um was the real prison and two of the the locations were real but yeah so this one um had a lot of fluorescent lighting um that was already there um right kind of it would split two cells on the outside one one fixture and I didn't really have control of each individual fixture, which was very hard because <laughs> you would turn, you know, the way they were circuited, they weren't broken up that way. So it was either all on or all off, which is very, very hard, in, yeah. you know, to control. So what we ended up doing is cutting out um, ND gels, the same exact size of those fixtures, and then also black foam core and diffusion and there were magnets on them. So we could just put easily put those up if I wanted to black out some completely or just slow some down, dim, dim down the light, you know, cause I couldn't, I couldn't dim them down either. And it was all, all the bulbs had been already changed out. So at least they were saying color temperature. Um, but they were, you know, because it's a prison, all the fixtures are like bolted shut. So it's, you know, to change out bulbs is, is just a nightmare. I mean, it's just not practical. There's just not time for that. So that was our solution. 
And then the art department added a um, little lamp, a tungsten lamp that, that would you know, fit a household bulb inside each cell. Um, and then there was already, it's like a four foot long by six inch wide sliver of a window that um, was in each cell. Um, so I pushed light through that with HMIs. Um, so that was our daylight look, but, um, but yeah. And so I would just augment as necessary, just depending on the scene, either augmenting that, you know, tungsten lamp, um, like augmenting daylight or augmenting and shaping and controlling the fluorescent lighting. Um, and then there were a lot of, you know, because our series is sort of divided between the prison world and the detective side. So there's a lot of offices on the detective side. So um, we, yeah, I spent a lot of time collaborating with the production designer, Sharice Cardenas, um, about, you know, practicals and fluorescent lighting in the offices as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's great. And um, I can, I can only imagine all the things you guys did. I mean, you know, um, I think in particular, I think it's shameless, uh, not, not, uh, shapeless for me, where it had such unique angles, right? And um, you, the use of like negative space mm. and and even like, I don't know, um, I think to like, I don't know if this is the correct term, but like choking out a character where like they're looking to the left, let's say, and normally would frame them more on the right oh. side, but they're- yeah. short-sighting. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, um, yeah, so I just want to kind of compliment you. There's not really a question there, but um, but I love your yeah. kind of- creativity with the angles because you know you think of prison you think of office and and I, I don't know I, I've seen other work where it's just like standard and whatnot and and I, I just even seeing the, the the trailer for um Blackbird it just looks so different and vibrant oh thank you yeah and it was also Blackbird's also a period piece it's all takes place in the 90s so it was about just creating... funny to say, right? The 90s. Yeah, I know. But now that's period. <laughs> Makes you feel a little old. Um, but which was really cool because I think it just added this like special layer of um, I don't know, I saw it as like grittiness and it, it was just it's unique too. And so um that that was important to me to to you know cr- just ground the viewers in the time period that that they were supposed to be in. So yeah. hopefully it comes off. <laughs> and how, how did you guys approach? Cause um, uh, Paul who plays Larry, um, he straddles that line between like, do you, is he just kind of psychotic or is yeah. he sort of not, nah, um, yeah. you know, and where's that line. And so how did you guys approach that from a cinematography standpoint to, you know, push the viewer or not in one way or, or another? Yeah. I mean, you know, m- my goal is never to be manipulative with with the cinematography and I never you know it was only to really enhance the performances and never to distract so I didn't really do anything specifically that was really all in the performance Mm -hmm. you know um so I, I didn't have to do anything it's 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 there you know um, just the way he plays that so beautifully it's so complex and I think that's what makes the show so special is be- in, in Dennis's writing it's it's not black and white this this is all about the complexities and the gray areas of misogyny and the different levels of misogyny and um and and how you know and it, it, it's, it's just an examination of that and how when Jimmy meets Larry it Larry becomes a mirror and to Jimmy and of his own 
life and, and his own misogynistic ways. Yeah. And those are my, you know, those are my favorite stories. And I, I was reading um, IndieWire kind of talked about it, how in a way it's almost starts off in defining like genre conventions where it is black and white, but yeah. very quickly yeah. it unnerves you. And, and um, I love that because yeah, it gives you kind of, kind of an easier entry point, but then just pulls out the rug underneath you. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I think that is what's unique about this is you think it's going to be all the true crime cliches and, but it's so far from on the nose, you know, it's so nuanced. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and how did, um, how did you become involved? You know, you, you mentioned you had five weeks of prep time, but did you kind of know about the show in advance in terms of your no, involvement it, with it? It kind of came out of nowhere, like sort of last minute, you know, when you get the call, like out of nowhere, my agent sent me the scripts and it's like, okay. And I was like on a plane the very next week. Um, so yeah, it happened really, really fast. But the minute, you know, even after just the first <laughs> 20 pages I knew like oh my god this is I'm so in and I I it seemed far-fetched that I would even get this honestly but um but yeah it's um, somehow it worked out and I just like saw this as a huge opportunity so I was just like I'm gonna put everything I have into this it's really right up my alley too yeah I mean it seems like I mean it might seem a little bit far-fetched for you but like watching the trajectory of what you've done it feels like a natural transition. Thank you. So, um, which, by the way, uh, if I may, I, I want to uh, talk about um, Jim Cummings movie. Um, mm-hmm. He's someone I knew him from college. I can't say that we're friends, barely acquaintances, but um, I think he's just doing such great work. And so I wanted to talk about The Wolf of Snow Hollow just for a little yeah. bit and, and yeah. what that experience was like. Yeah, yeah, um, that that was a wild time in the the winter of Utah a few years ago. Um, yeah, that was God shooting in that much snow. Like being a Southerner, I hadn't experienced that much winter yeah. before. Um, but isn't it and, great? Like when you actually film with snow as opposed to uh, just fakes. You know, yeah, what I mean? it just I, looks it so looks much fantastic. better. Every yeah. time, everywhere you pointed the camera, it was, it was incredible. Um, but the and, reflection kills you now. Like, how does that also work? Cause it's just pure. Yeah. Water. It's so much. Yeah. A lot of negative fill. That was my <laughs> solution. A lot of negative. Um, yeah, no, it was, it, it was so much fun. We, that we had 23 days to shoot. So not a lot at all. It was pretty low budget. It was, um, yeah, and we somehow pulled it off. It, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, whether for Blackbird specifically or any of these other movies that you've worked on, um, what's your involvement in the post process? And I guess specifically like the color timing and so forth, because, you know, from what, what I understand, sometimes, you know, obviously the DP would love to be involved because it's the final finish of, you know, th- that vision, but sometimes that's not always possible. So just kind of curious how it that should always be possible. It should. It, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's the look of the film. It's a shame when it's not. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's when we finish our job and our, our and contribution to the project because it can change so much. Um, yeah. I'm um, usually very much involved, you know, Blackbird, I was involved every single episode. Natasha Leonette was our phenomenal colorist and we, we worked diligently. 
um, on the grade. And um, yeah, and yeah, that's very, very important to me. You know, on set, I like to get it as as close to uh, the final as I can, you know, for a good reference. And then, you know, we're really just fine tuning it all in, in the final grade. Uh, I, I love the, the color grade process. It's um, yeah, especially yeah. now with like, I mean, uh, when you find for me, I have a colorist that I absolutely love. And you know what I mean? It just becomes yeah. such a joy what yeah. they can push it towards. Yeah, no, it's I know they're geniuses. And yeah, when you find a good one, you have that good relationship. Uh, it just makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Um, and going sort of more uh, detail oriented with it. Um, did you guys use one camera to shoot? Did you guys multiple or, you know, was it a combination? You know, what cameras, what lenses? Like, yeah. I, I love exploring that stuff. Um, so we were on the mini LF. Okay. Alexa mini LF with Panavision H series lenses. Um, we shot two cameras. Um, sometimes it was just single camera. If the camera didn't work, then we didn't try to force it. Um, so like I said, you know, earlier, this, you mean creatively, not technically. Creative. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, no, like it wouldn't, yeah, it would stand down if it would, if it, if the scene only made sense, if like that we couldn't find another angle for B camera, then we wouldn't. Yes. Yeah. And then we just roll with, with one camera. Um, but yeah, but the approach is, is, you know, is like a single camera film. And so having that, you know, one perspective was really important in maintaining that. Um, yeah, it's pretty much sums it up. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a nerd for that stuff. So I always enjoy talking the, the nitty gritty of it all. And yeah, um, I imagine, uh, I, I forget who said it, but um, uh, they were like, when they started their career, they always shot with two cameras. I think it was, um, I'm blanking on his name, but the cinematographer who did um, George Miller's um, Mad Max Fury Road. And they were saying um, editors love him because he always shoots two cameras and it's the easiest thing in the world to edit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends on, on what the film is and yeah. Yeah. What, you know, and, and every director is different too. Like some prefer one camera and some, some have to have two or three or four yeah. I prefer single camera, but in TV, it's hard to get away with like really just shooting one camera um, because, you know, the studio and the showrunner, you know, people want you to use two cameras and, and just because of the schedule, it does save time, but, but, yeah. but you know, finding a way to be intentional about it is key. So did that, um, for lack of a better word, force you to be more behind the monitors versus like, do you, you know, on a single cam shoot, ideally do you like to like, the behind the viewfinder sort of thing? Yeah, so I always operate. Um, this was the first time I didn't because it's two cameras and just mm -hmm. because of the scale of the show, you know, it was just too big of an operation for me to be operating. So um, yeah, I stood back, hired two phenomenal operators um, and um, there was no way I could have operated and, you know, with the magnitude of it. Um, yeah, and so that, yeah, they were great. And, um, it was, it was a challenge for me and, you know, especially in the beginning, it was like really hard of like, okay, where do, where do I stand when we're rolling? You know, cause I'm just so used to being like at the camera. Um, and yeah, I mean, I miss operating 
and I won't ever give that up. But but in these situations, you, you kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. Um, I mean, it's in a way I, I maybe I'm wrong about this, but I imagine that it also kind of forces you to solidify your vision because you have to communicate it. Yeah. Because you're not yeah. the one actually holding it. Yeah. Is that yeah. correct to say? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything that about the show itself or just the experience of it that, um, you know, you would like to share with the audiences out there? Um, yeah, just check it out. Uh, July 8th, we're dropping the first two episodes. Yeah. Which you said already, but, um, yeah, no, I don't think so. You did a good job. Covering <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, for more, um, information and to keep up with kind of everything, uh, certainly there's the website, nataliekingston.com, but, um, anything else that you want to promote for yourself? Um, I think that, yeah, I'm on Instagram. It's just my name. Um, yeah, it, it would mean the world if, if, if you watch Blackbird. So yeah, check it out. Awesome. Awesome.